You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I am Kenneth. And tonight we are looking at... Space Above and Beyond, Episode 5, Ray Butts, Episode Synopsis. An unidentified marine ship approaches the Saratoga, ignores all attempts to communicate, and when docking permission is denied, it just overrides the Saratoga's computers and docks anyway. In the landing bay, the occupant, Lieutenant Colonel Raymond T. Killer Butts, is dead. Nope, he's not, and he beats up the entire hangar team single-handedly. Grilled about what's going on by Colonel McQueen, Butts will only give his name, rank, and serial number and refuses to cooperate. But he's not under arrest. Although, since he hacked the Saratoga's computers, he should be. Oh, and he's a prejudiced asshat about tanks, too. The gang is trying to review Butts' ship's navigational logs, but Butts shows up and is really hurtful to them until he learns they're the fighting 58th. He's not impressed by them. In the wreck area, Tank overrides the TV sensor chip and Butts comes in and gives them a dressing down. Wong tries to stand up to him, but he ends up in a fight with all of them. No ifs, ands, or buts. Butts is an unpleasant fellow. Colonel McQueen is not having any of this and will get Butts kicked off the Saratoga. So Butts pulls some top secret orders out of his butt. Not only is he not leaving, he's here on a mission. He's taking command of the Fightin' 58 for a special mission, and there's nothing McQueen can do about it. The next day, he's training the 58s by playing paintball with them without safety glasses, and he wipes them all over the floor, and is a jerk while doing it. They bitch about him in front of McQueen, and so McQueen tells him to suck it up, buttercups, and do the job, and look after each other in the process. Killer tries having a conversation with Butts, but accomplishes nothing in the end save for a disquieting feeling that Butts is leading them on a suicide mission. The next day, they ship out to planet 2063M, and Butts tells them the mission. Recover some hammerheads concealed on the planet's surface. It's a Chig-occupied planet, so they'll have to halo jump in. But Colonel Butts, they say, we don't know how to halo jump. It's just like falling out of a plane, and he sends them out the door. On the surface, Butts changes his mind, and says they've got a new mission. The gang has had enough. They stand firm against Butts and demand he tell them what's going on. He capitulates and tells them to secure their stuff and he'll tell them afterward. Instead, he runs off on his own. They find him burying the bodies of his previous squad. They disobeyed his orders on their last mission and died because of it. He has brought a squad of living, breathing soldiers on a dangerous covert behind the lines operation just to bury a bunch of stiffs. Butts' sense of perspective is way out of whack. After giving a touching burial ceremony, Butts explains the escape plan, flying past a dangerous black hole where there will be special red chig fighters that can take a shorter route around the black hole. Some of you are going to die on this mission. Say your goodbyes and let's hit space. On the flight back, they encounter the chigs, Butts plunges into the danger zone of the black hole to destroy the two red cheek fighters, saving the 58th, but dying in the process. Well, 
At least he doesn't have to face a court martial. The end. I'm gonna lead this one off by saying that I cannot think of a more pristine and unadulterated example of a plain, boring World War II military mission BS story that somebody said, let's just put them in spaceships and it'll be science fiction. Because this ain't. <laughs> Look, yes. this is, and I don't like military mission stories. So score two against this one in, in, a, in a quick succession. Well, to, uh, I agree. Uh, and I expand on your point. I w- after I watched this episode twice and took notes, I looked up a review of this episode online. Okay. I read a very detailed review with pictures. Okay. And worth a thousand author- words. Yes. And the author made the point that this entire series is more or less a World War II movie. Well, I don't disagree that there is a, clearly that's part of it. Right. I mean, right. but we, it, the previous episodes have also been very much in that, in that, uh, milieu, I guess, but they have at least been a little bit more spacey. It's <laughs> yes. like, well, hard. this one is just so not spacey. It's, it's almost funny. I mean, yes, they do fly through space, but, and yes, there is a black hole in it. Uh, but, you know, that could just have easily been a shallow coral reef that they had to escape in their boats around. And, you know, the enemy has boats that have a, a shallower uh, a draft, and so they can cut the corner. And, you know, I mean, it's, it, it's just, yeah, it's, it's a, and bagging on it even further. I don't care for military stories, but you can occasionally tell a good one. This isn't one of those either. No. It's not a good story. I can't stand the character of Ray Butts. I know you're not supposed to stand the character for Ray Butts, but I think you're supposed to have a little sympathy for him at the end, and I don't. Not one scrap of sympathy for him at the end. I was cheering the black hole as it sucked him down, which was the highlight of the episode. Yes. And then, of course, don't forget the tail end where the 58th chucked their pancakes down the disposal. I hated that. I hate it. You know, when they, when they, so not mentioned in the, in the synopsis, but for the listeners who have perhaps spared themselves the torture, Butts is always talking about going back for pancakes when they get back from the mission. And when they get back from the mission, McQueen is there happy to see his, his little children back from their mission. And he says, I had the mess hall make a special meal for you and my my brain just goes oh please tell me it's pancakes please tell me it's pancakes and it was pancakes because those subtly in this writing and then yeah they they each and every one of them took the pancakes that had been specially made for them by mcqueen's orders and chuck them in the garbage and i hope they go hungry and go to bed without dinner right the spoiled petulant twerps just because the the jerkwad kept talking about pancakes it's like no enjoy the pancakes i can see chucking them if you don't like pancakes that that was not what this was this was a tribute to to butts and nothing about that man deserved tribute i think i couldn't find anything 
I'll, I'll try one thing. At one point, Killer asks him a question, right? He's, he's clearly a jerk. He's clearly, when he trains them, he is just absolutely awful to them. He, he's beating them up. He's antagonizing them. He's doing everything he can to be rotten to them. And he, he's going to take them on this mission. And McQueen confronts him. And, you know, it's like, I don't care what your rank is. I don't care. You know, these aren't my kids. They're my men. But if you, if you, if any of them don't come back from this mission, there's nowhere you can hide from it. Right. Right. So th- there is this feeling that, that Butts does not care about the people in his command. And Killer goes to him and says, you know, something to the effect of, I know that you'd be willing to kill for us, but would you be willing to die for us? And his response is, I'm dead already. Which is, you know, a non-answer. Um, and actually, you know, that's where she gets the whole, I think he's going on a suicide mission kind of thing. So in the end, yes, he did. He chose to die for them. And maybe. Or well, maybe, maybe he just he was planning on committing suicide anyway. But if we take him at his word that they could, if they just flew fast enough in the right direction, they would get away, then he did not die for them. I think he had not counted on the others coming to box them in. Yeah. So I, I, I don't know. I, I really don't know whether he was, I think he was in the moment probably was going <laughs> to try to save them. But I don't know if he had been thinking that all along because you can't trust anything he said. Right. And, and throughout the course of the episode. So yeah, it was, it was kind of, <laughs> I did not like this episode, and I I do not like the fact that in the end, the 58th, they're all like, gosh, Butts is dead. It's like, you should be shouting and cheering, yay, Butts is dead. Because <laughs> the military does not need more Butts. They Neither have they enough Butts. Yes. Uh, you were speaking of the unsubtle writing. <laughs> yes. The unsubtle writers were Glenn Morgan and James Wong. Okay. Well, it's their unsubtle show. I, I really, you know, you hear the you hear the stories, and I think they're not apocryphal. Where Gene Roddenberry goes to the the whoever the powers that be and says, "Star Dragon will be like wagon train to the stars," because you know the network executives are limited morons and they they can't understand anything unless you can relate it to something else, which is actually a thing that they tell you to do when pitching yes um pitching stories which is depressing but all right but wagon train for people who haven't seen wagon train right which which nowadays is a very lot of people who have probably never seen wagon train you you, you conjure up images of cowboys and indians and and you know gunfights and whatnot but that's that isn't what wagon train was just like that really kind of isn't what Gunsmoke was those were actually drama shows set in the Old West. They, were, yes. they, they weren't so much about the adventure of the Old West as they were about people having problems and this guy's got a drinking problem or this guy's lost his confidence or, you know, somebody's been kidnapped or that happens to be in the Old West. And so in that respect, when you say that about Star Trek, it's wagon train the stars, you, you could be talking about we're going from place to place and we're going to have human drama and... It's just set in space, and you you can kind of you can kind of get that. But Star Trek is in fact science fiction because the stories they tell 
are not just about the people in space. It is about the the events and the melodrama and situations that could only arise in a, a fantasy sci-fi world. Indeed. This is not that. Th- no. This is this is so far from that. This is this is just I swear you could pretty much take the whole thing and you know substitute spaceship for fighter plane and you know you just have to work something out with a black hole at the end but that would just not be difficult and there you go you know uh, oh here we go i can do it uh black hole instead of black hole it's an enemy installation that's got long-range anti-aircraft gun if you get too close to it it'll blow you up if you fly too far away from you they cut you off and you're not going to make it back home boom done there black hole enemy is anti-aircraft gun fixed so yeah it's just it was and and like it was good so i i'm gonna i'm gonna pick on butts a bit i'm gonna smack him around a little bit well that's the okay what he gave you gave you ammunition he gives he gives as well as he gets so you have to say um first off he should be in jail you should he should have been in jail from the moment he arrives at a aircraft carrier and he hacks into their, he doesn't respond. He hacks into their community, uh, flight control systems and he lands his fighter. That should be a crime period. End of discussion. You're in the brig, right? And there's absolutely no need for it. All he had to do was identify himself and they would have let him on board. Yes. But he didn't do that. So into the hook, who scout, he arrives. And what's the first thing he does? He assaults the entire flight crew. Another crime. Into the Who's Gal. Right. Times the next as, thing we... at, at, at times as many people as, as as he beat up. Yes. And then the next scene, it looks like he is in the Who's Scout. Like, what, what are you doing here? Name, rank, serial number. Name, rank, serial number. Well, you broke into our systems. Well, then you need to fix your systems. Name, rank, serial number. It's like, you're perfectly reasonable to believe that the man is under arrest because he should be under arrest. And then in the very next scene, he's wandering around the carrier free and continuing to be a, a, a jerk uh, at all levels. It's like, this story makes no sense either. No explanation. You know, well, and that, that he, he fails to give an accounting of himself to the immediate chain of command on board that ship when right. ordered to do so. That's a crime. He, he should be able to disclose that he has alternate orders and not disclose what those orders are if they are indeed top secret. But that's the sort of thing that can be verified. Right? Contact the bases, butts, yeah. So again, they, and then, you know, that's just prior. He then takes his team. That was a little question in my mind. Would they send a mission normally to recover the fighters? It, are the fighters valuable enough that it is worth risking the lives of, of five or six, if you count butts, but who cares? Six pilot or five pilots to um, to bring back some fighters that are that are trapped behind enemy lines. I don't think so. I, I kind of don't think so either. And so he takes them in for that. And then when he gets there, he's like, "Oh well, you know, no, I'm actually here for something else." And he he buggers off to bury his his crew, which he got killed. Yeah, uh, he he left them behind to die. And believe me, I am not trying to cut that man some slack. But my question is, if he had stayed behind with them to wait for reinforcements, which they were waiting for, would he yeah. just be dead too? Probably. It'd be justice. 
<laughs> so I, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, if he was their commanding officer and he ordered them to go on the mission and they said, no, we're going to stay here and wait for reinforcements, that's a crime on their part. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of, okay, speaking of um, insubordinate junior officers, mm-hmm. the 58th. All of them, yeah. Yes. There's this scene where McQueen tells them to you know, shut the hell up and he tells, he tells them that in a time of war, you, it's important to follow orders or else people die. And I, when I was <laughs> saw that the first time, I thought, what? This is coming from McQueen? Yeah. Well, this is coming from McQueen to a group of people who consistently not follow his orders. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I believe you last were talking. Last week is forgotten. Yes, I believe you were talking about um, about butts. Oh yes, but his crimes. So I, I'm not a hundred percent sure where we fall on that one because we are getting a, an unreliable third party narration on that. Right? Yes. He's he's recounting it, but it could be filtered. So. I could see this one being either way. Either way, it's an ill-fated mission, and he feels guilty about it. Now, that, I think, is, I think we're right there. He feels guilty about it. Whether or not anything he did could have changed the outcome, uh, I don't know. And I mean, except that he's so freaking awesome that he could have single-handedly beat all the chigs himself, and they would have been fine. But apart from that, maybe he thinks that. But then he, he takes this team. If it's an officially sanctioned mission to go get the hammerheads, I would argue that that's a stupid waste of resources, but it is the sort of thing the military might do. But then changing that mission on the ground, which I'm not even sure what he was doing. Now, consider, they get on the ground and he says, okay, we're changing the mission parameters. Okay. He never tells them what the new parameters are. They, they refuse to listen, right? They're like, right. We, we want to, you're going you're gonna to give us the whole story here or actually he wasn't going to tell him, we're going to give us a whole story here, or we're not budging off of this spot. Bing, bing, bing. And so he says, okay, fine, I'll tell you. But if if they had just said, okay, Colonel, let's go with these changed mission parameters, what would they have gone and done? Would he have said, here, dig some graves? Is that what his plan was? I, t- I assume it was. I assume that the mission was always to go bury the corpses um, but then again, we're dealing with the unreliable narrator, yeah. aren't we? Yeah. I mean, he seemed to be kind of upset when they found him digging the graves. Whereas if he had brought them along to help him dig graves, he'd have thought, Hey, great. Let's here's some more people with shovels. <laughs> to dig yes. I, I, yeah. So he, yeah, he endangered, he endangers the lives in multiple ways. He took them on an, on an ill-advised mission. He, he took them behind enemy lines without telling them what they were doing. And he took them on a halo jump, which is an extremely dangerous type of parachute jump that requires training. Yes. With no training. So they yeah, just got there. And I mean, he pushed Wang out of, the, out of the plane, frankly. The others were just too stupid to say no. But, um, yeah, I, I all around... All around, this guy's got it. Let's see. We'll mention bits of world building. We knew that the Chigs had a weird thing about the dead. Yeah, I'm about, about to talk about it. Yeah. They remove the eyes and the hearts. But they're terrified of the human bodies. But they're apparently not terrified enough not to go remove the eyes and the hearts. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> but then they just leave them there. I'm surprised that those bodies hadn't rotted more. In frankly. the desert? Yeah. 
I guess they really might have mummified. I it's hard to tell how long Butts has been. Is he just? I mean, did he literally just come back from that planet? I get that was he, my uh, assumption. So it could have only been a day or two. Still, I am sure they would not have been pleasant. Yeah, and how, and how many? And how many creatures live in that desert? <laughs> you mean Vasquez rocks? Oh, there's there's like tons of ranches all around. Yeah. Vasquez rock there. I rec- I recognize the rocks. Yes, I did. I every time I go to uh, Los Angeles area, I have to go visit Vasquez Rocks just because I have visited it so many times on television in my life, right. and I love it dearly. <laughs> it is it is just so. How do I put it? It's like it's the only time in your my life that I stand there and I go, "Yeah, I'm in Star Trek." <laughs> yeah, or um, or the Man from Atlantis, or the Man from Earth. Think Logan's Run or yeah, Run. Yes. yeah. The man, the man from Earth was out there. Was he? Yeah, I thought oh, it could have been. I just remember them sitting around a living room. But uh, but the house was near Vasquez Rock, ah, so you see, okay. see it at the beginning of the movie. Okay, that yeah, that could be. It's been a it's been a walk. Um, yeah, so many of Buck Rogers has been out there. Yeah, just just luck, which does prove the show was made in Los Angeles, not Canada. Like the X Files was at that time. Yes, so, I did not try to figure out which version of Macbeth that was. I did read. Um, I saw that in the blog post I read. I didn't write it down, but it's it's, it's definitely Macbeth. Yeah, and we have that sequence where they censor the fight scene in Macbeth. The fight scene in Macbeth, which obviously is stupid. Makes no sense when you're talking about the military anyway. Then it just, it it's clearly, you have to put this in context because Tank does call it, I popped the V-chip, right? Yes, so, a, 19, a middle 1990s reference if ever there were one. 1996 is when the uh, Telecommunications Act that uh, mandated those uh, was enacted. And I think it was developed in 90. 90- 94 and there was a bunch of buzz about it being you know the way of the future for people who are not aware of what the v-chip does and you know it is i believe still to this day in every television capable of receiving broadcast in the united states canada and a few other countries at the beginning of every episode of a, a tv show now you get that uh rating tv pg sex violence whatever that is also translated into a numerical code. And that numerical code is interpreted by the V-chip. And if your TV is programmed not to allow sex or violence, or it will not allow it. And it's very controversial. It was particularly very controversial with content creators, which, you know, rightly so. And uh, I think, I think this is, uh, I think this is Morgan and Wong having a, Having a pop at it and it nothing was. more. Well, I hear it is. I pulled up this review um, of the episode with 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 complete analysis. Do you want to you like give a name on that blog so somebody yes, can look at it? It, it? Is called the movie. It is the movieblog dot com. Okay, and the O in movie is a zero. <laughs> well, okay. No, I was gonna say it's not a movie, but then that's not movie either. So, wait, we're, we're that's Mu Zero V, <laughs> Zero V. 
And this is for the this is for Ray Butts. Yeah, you're right. Do you have it? Uh, I'm not looking at it, but uh, what what's it say about the V chip? If that's I assume okay, that's what but talks about that is Morgan and Wong having it out with the Fox TV sensors. Indeed, they They're were f- because um, this show aired at Sunday. It aired at 7 p.m. on Sunday. Ooh, family time. And so they had they went through hell to get to get the word testicle in. Uh, by the way, here's the answer. The you got to you got to pick your battles. You got to yes. pick your battles. And obviously, Morgan and Wong were willing to die for testicles. Yes, they and butts. And they did get it in. By the way, I live in Georgia where we have a butts county. So just think about living there. There you go. Um, but by the version of of Macbeth was Roman by Roman Polanski. Oh, okay. Well, that that actually could potentially have been a particularly gory one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, but apparently, but at, the, at this weblog, it is that it does seem like a delightfully wry commentary on the limitations imposed on space above and beyond by Fox's broadcast standards and practices. And the, here's a quote from James Wong um, on this episode. I remember that we had a huge argument with, with the network about the use of the word testicle. I think it was an argument that went from the moment we wrote the script to almost the moment we aired. It, we ultimately decided not to take the word out. We thought it worked. It was part of the anatomy. It wasn't a disgusting use of the word or sexual connotation or anything like that. We, we stood our ground, decided not to change it for broadcast standards. When it aired, we did not know what would happen. When it aired, they actually cut out four seconds of the show. Well, I mean, yeah. Obviously, they they couldn't have written the script uh, in response to them cutting testicles out. Yes. And there's something else else here. This is another quote from uh, Wong. That's a real problem with a show about a bunch of tough Marines at war. In combat, uh, people get shot. People die. But we're not allowed to show the impact of, of, of a weapon. You can't even verbally refer to certain violent acts. My biggest fear is that if you can't show how, how horrible war is, it may start looking like a great adventure. Gosh, this coming from a pair of guys that have made a show that basically is glorifying a bunch of warriors. That is so I'm, hypocritical. It, yes. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm just quoting. Wow. This, I would and not also, take this as an anti-war show. Yes, and, and according to this post, the show could not even show a gun pointed at a character's head, let alone the consequences of a severe injury. <laughs> yeah. All right, speaking of pointing a gun at somebody's head, paintball between the eyes. Yeah, that may, be, that may have been skirting the broadcast standards. Snot is a blind man. Yes. I mean, I get it. Butts is a jerk, but you're playing paintball. You wear safety glasses. Uh-huh. Come on. All right. Well, we already talked about the pancakes thing, so um, let's talk about the tell your friends goodbye scene. Yes. So at one moment, he says, some of you are going to die, and uh, don't live your life regretting he didn't say goodbye. Okay? Now, my question is this. Is he talking about this mission? Some of you are going to die on this mission. Tell your friends. Or is that a general advisement to soldiers? Because you are going on a dangerous mission. Anytime you go on a dangerous mission, you could die. 
So he could be speaking in a more general sense. Um, I this assume, is just a very good time for it. I assumed he was talking about that mission. I felt like he was talking about that mission too, in which case he is even more culpable because he knows he's led them to their death. It, it's not just that it's not just that he tricked them into coming onto a mission to retrieve the dead people. It's that he knows they're going to die on that mission. That is such an incredible... Uh, there, there is a... <laughs> a while back, John and I did the Green Slime. And there is a sequence in the Green Slime where two offices are upset because at each other uh, because one of them had some men under his command in danger. And he sent in, instead of letting them die, he sent in a rescue party, and the rescue party were all killed too. And so that was considered a, a waste of time, and he got demoted for that. And it kind of flies in the face of, you know, we don't leave anybody behind us. But this is even worse. This is he's sending them back for corpses that may not even be there, except, of course, he says the chigs won't touch them because they're chigs. So I guess he could assume that they would still be there. Like, but, but if he's talking about that mission, he's absolutely culpable. And that is, um, that, that, that just makes him even more of a, let's say butthole. Let's say butthole. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a butt's hole. Yes. We did learn that um, Hawks, uh, Cooper Hawks, has lived for about six years. Now, so he's born at 18, so he's 24. Yeah. I, I, I thought that scene was. It's like, yeah, all right, you guys, come on. You know, but Tank practically blubbing them. Oh, I love you guys. Kiss of Ukraine. This is from the guy who hated him at the beginning. You know, it's like, yeah, all right, fine. I will add, I was not kindly disposed towards Johnny Cash before this episode started. And, I, and neither was Butts. No. And, you know, the, my cheering scene is partially ruined because they were playing Johnny Cash music. So, um, oh, okay. Obligatory science, uh, sciencey thing. Okay. Falling into a black hole. Going to try spaghettification. <clears throat> and just, just for the sake of putting something in here that we're going to pretend like it's a little bit sciencey. Spaghettification is the process by which something falling into a black hole because of the, because of the numbers, you do the math and because of the massive amount of gravity force, that even a short distance, like the distance from your feet to your head, produces a substantial difference in the amount of uh, gravity pulling on you as you approach a black hole. So they call that process spaghettification, uh, or sometimes the noodle effect. And if what you would imagine is if you, if you could imagine four objects, four similar-sized objects well, approaching a black hole in a diamond formation, with one being closest. Because of the way gravity works, they're all going to be hurtling towards the same center of the point mass. Uh, so, so even the ones that are further apart are actually going to be moving at an angle towards the inside, whereas the one on the top and the bottom will be moving straight down. Yeah. And if you imagine the speed picks up with the ones that are closer... And, of course, the bottom one is the closest. The two in the middle are on the sides are the next closest than the one on the top. So the speed is going faster in the middle and the bottom and less so in the middle, but they are angling inwards. So this is what basically you, it's like if you pulled that triangle apart, the two in the middle are going to stretch into the center and it's going to keep pulling itself longer and longer. 
into a piece of spaghetti. And uh, that's the best I got in terms of science in this. Um, not exactly what happened to, uh, to Butts. I don't believe there's any metaphysical thing about getting there and then living forever in your last moment no. of death. But, you know, if it's true, I hope it is for him. I do. I hope he eternity in his last moment of death for uh, for showing up on this on this episode. Yep. I got nothing else. I have nothing else except the name of the next episode. Really name. I'm looking forward to this. Eyes. I oh wow. It's like I knew. <laughs> Gosh. Sometimes sometimes you know, I did have a little fun writing butts humor into the synopsis. So I guess yeah. that was my favorite part of this episode. So maybe next time I can I can get some uh well, I'm glad you got to. Hate. I'm glad you got to the bottom of it. Yes, exactly. Did I use okay. that or if I did that one? Okay. Anyway. <laughs> well, in that case, uh, next time it'll be eyes. Okay. Kenneth, thank you for joining me. My pleasure. Listeners, I hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. You've been listening to Fusion Patrol. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, we hope you'll consider supporting us at buymeacoffee.com slash fusionpatrol or patreon.com slash fusionpatrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently running a special series on Babylon 5. Come join the conversation in the comments section of this episode at fusionpatrol.com. You'll also find there over a decade of past episodes. You can find some of our other works at soundcloud.com slash fusionpatrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Next time, we'll be looking at the Bugs episode, The Price of Peace, when we discuss the emerging love polygon within the Bureau of Weapons Technology, why Beckett is being written now as a bit of a jerk as well as a bad boss, and we speculate on the identity of the mole within the agency. Join the conversation on Fusion Patrol.